0: Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn, NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as I am joined here today with a good friend of the program, Stiff Emeritus, the King of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton. Jeff, uh, we just got a bomb of a couple of trades that happened oh like god. as we were pushing the record button.
1: Uh, oh my god!
0: I am I'm stunned right now.
1: Mm. Mm. it's stunned and i I, i'm with you about being stunned and it's not in a good way but (laughs) it certainly certainly is stunning to get this happening like literally folks right before we were about to record this thing (laughs) because this is going to alter our (laughs) plans
0: more like like more is flowing in here and and i will just uh uh, I'm tweeting right now, recording Nuggets numbers with Jeff Morton. Uh, right now, uh, that this was just bombed. Uh, Drew Holiday was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks for what looks like Eric Bledsoe and three first round picks. Uh, the Bucks clearly appear that they are serious about keeping, uh, they're they're clearly pretty serious about keeping Giannis Antetokounmpo, and and they ponied up uh, in well, order to make that
1: happen. Well, there's well, technically only one year of Drew Holiday, and this could be a one year. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, that's what I, the way I look at it. Because man,
0: it's crazy. Like like they just went all in. Like the the Milwaukee Bucks just went all in on I, one year. Right. Uh, like they traded their draft comp. They decided we're going to get out from under Eric Bledsoe who has really fallen flat in the playoffs over the last couple of years. And, and boy, did they get an upgrade? I think like, I think Drew Holiday is a, a different tier of player than Eric Bledsoe. I'm not sure if he's two tiers up, but I'm pretty sure he's at least a tier up and and for a team that was that close this past year and past couple of years, uh, is this worth it to keep Giannis in the uniform? I I'd say probably so
1: this yeah i mean he's it's not like uh uh lebron james last year in uh cleveland the first time so 2010 when they brought in Shaq as their big move and who shack was like at the end of his career at that point yeah so yeah. um this is a lot different than that, um, but it'll be interesting to see because their defense was already good. Um, they have a Budenholzer problem. Uh, I will maintain that, but um, I mean, shit. I did. Uh, pardon my French. <laughs> You're but uh, You're <laughs> but this is uh, this is certainly not what I intended to be thinking about right now. Um, but uh, man, that's that's pretty stunning. That's, uh, I think, it means more for for Milwaukee, I think. Well, no, no, that's not right, because, uh, you know, New Orleans clearly, clearly was wanting those picks. This is like, we, when you think about the rumors that came out, like Nuggets were wanting to get into the top ten. Now, none of those, those Milwaukee picks are top ten picks.
0: They do have one uh, that they got from Indiana this past year that I believe is the 18th pick, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, or where where is that pick? Or, or or am I crazy? Like like what did they do with that draft pick? Um. Oh no, it's the twenty fourth pick. So I assume that that they're gonna send that one, and they're gonna send a bunch of others as well. And Woach just tweeted that in addition to in addition to three firsts, there are two swaps. There are two pick swaps in this team. Ah,
1: there's the there's the hall that uh, was heretofore referred to. Uh.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It, yeah, as as you know, I've been really high on Drew Holiday uh, right. for this fit with the Nuggets, and I think that it's justified. I think if you're if you're looking for somebody to upgrade in this on this roster, it's probably Gary Harris. It's probably Will Barton at the at the shooting guard position, just based off of what I think the Nuggets need going forward. Uh, you want to surround Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Jokic with. Good pieces on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't think there was a piece available on the defensive side that was better than Drew in this season So, right, I, I, it, it's not a price though that I would, I would be willing to pay if I were the Nuggets, and so I kind of understand why they weren't the one to do this deal.
1: Not for Drew Holiday, um, and the Nuggets aren't currently in a uh, shall we say, oh my God, our superstar may leave territory. Yeah. So. Yeah obviously that impacts what Milwaukee is going to do. Um, Obviously, I think this makes them a better team. I don't know how much better, but it makes them a better team. So, obviously, it's worth it from that angle. And, you know, as I mentioned before, Drew Holiday, this is just essentially an expiring year unless he – I think he has a a player option the second year, right?
0: Yeah, so he has a player option for the 2021 season, but that – like in and of itself makes him an expiring contract right uh matt moore saying on twitter right now that this like he hopes to hell that this isn't an antoine jameson deal like like for
1: i was just thinking that this was this was akin to uh antoine jameson coming in uh to to that because it, it it smacks of
0: Desperation? Oh,
1: my, Our guys going to leave? <laughs> yeah. And they really do believe it. Now, here's the thing. that They only do that if they actually are worried. Um, because this team won how – many, how many games did Milwaukee win last year? 60-something? They, they were right.
0: on – I mean, they're on pace for 70 wins. Like, right. something absurd.
1: Right. And it's just it's, – it's insane. And then you think about it and you're like, you only do this thing if you're like, oh, shit, he's going to leave. I mean, really? That's yeah. it. I keep I keep yeah. swearing on your podcast, um, but
0: <laughs> I should swear more honestly. Like, like we're at <laughs> we're at this time where honestly, I am so busy. We have done so much draft prep, and and I am exhausted every single day during this time. That hey, gotta swear just a little bit to get it out. Oh, so.
1: Okay, look, look, we you. I mean, to pull peel back the curtain a little. We were going to talk about Drew Holiday tonight, but not <laughs> in the context that we're talking about him right now. So yeah, obviously. So-
0: <laughs> we, we, we had something prepped, so we're, we're, we'll be okay. Um,
1: yes, yes. <laughs> all right, so
0: let's, uh, let's pivot that conversation a little bit then. Uh, right. Obviously, Milwaukee is doing this for the desperation side of things. They wanted an mm-hmm. upgrade in the short term. They want to appeal to Giannis, or even if like they lose Giannis after this, like adding Drew Holiday and upgrading over Eric Bledsoe is probably the best chance that they're going uh, to get mm,
1: to make yeah. a run
0: this particular year. Um let's talk about it from the New Orleans side though. They just traded for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first round picks and two pick swaps. On top of the haul that they already got for Anthony Davis, they have Zion Williamson. They're going to re-sign Brandon Ingram this year. Uh obviously this deal doesn't make them better in the short term, but that's about as good of a haul as you could get for one player in the long term. Uh are are you scared of them as a as a future Western Conference threat?
1: No, because of their, all their picks are later first picks. I, I yeah, it did, you know it yeah. reminds me of uh, the what the Boston Celtics turned the Nets haul into, which was about a mid to late firsts. Uh, other than I think the Tatum pick was still the remnants of the of the. Uh, Nets trade, I believe. I
0: I think they got Brown out of that, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: and Brown and Tatum, and those guys are good. But, I mean, uh, people have been talking about uh, Danny Ainge consolidating his massive picks for five Mm -hmm. years now, (laughs) and what we have seen is nothing because there are a bunch of mid to late firsts, and people are like... I would really like a lottery pick here. I know, yeah, just yeah. I mean, mid-first is not going to help me here, and that is why they can't do it. So I'm I'm. it's interesting that they get these. I'm curious to see what they do and if they intend on keeping them uh, because they just lost Drew Holiday and they got Eric Bledsoe, who's you know? Yeah. So... Yeah. I don't, th- he doesn't, certainly doesn't help them. And that's from New Orleans perspective. You can't look at this as this, this is a win now move. You can't because Eric oh, no. does nothing to help them. Right. So
0: no, I, I, if I, if I were guessing what they would do, uh, they have insurance just in case they don't want to re-sign Lonzo ball uh, All right. in, in, in that, in that case, but they have a, a competent point guard who can run their offense for the time being. Uh, help Zion Williamson develop. Help Brandon Ingram develop. Um, but to me, this screams of of a team that is accumulating assets down the line to try to package into that third star.
1: Um, right.
0: But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Like, like w- if with the picks that they get, will they ever trade for somebody that's better than Drew Holiday? Yeah. Uh, maybe they go get Bradley Beal. Uh, maybe they go maybe. Uh, I, maybe there's another player that's not on the open market yet that appears and they're just going to bide their time um, I don't know though like, I, if I were them I would take as many chances in the draft as I possibly could and kind of go the Boston route and see if you could add some more future stars but uh, they, they seem like they're probably taken out of the playoff race now is what I would, how I would describe yeah. them in the current term
1: they are less of a threat with Eric Bledsoe uh, oh yeah and obviously, um, who's, who, who's their coach now?
0: Uh, it is uh, Stan Van Gundy.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, I don't know how much Van Gundy would like that move. I mean, uh, you would think that he would love having Drew Holiday there for yeah, defensive purposes.
0: Like, I think I, – well, Eric Bledsoe just made a defensive team, I'm pretty sure like yeah, he's know, he's a guy who who is a he's a quality defender and is, is one of the best in the league. It's just the offensive end is where things really seem to struggle for him. So, maybe well, that's a fit I, that actually works
1: out. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it is it's going to I'm I'm sure they had Stan Gundy's input on yeah. this trade before they pulled yeah. it out. So, uh but the interesting thing is it seemed to me and this is something we can, make, you know, I don't want to jump ahead of you, but this seems to me like Milwaukee not Milwaukee um once it became clear and this is just not me looking at any sort of infa- inside information once it became clear the nuggets wouldn't give up a certain piece i think the the uh the sweepstakes moved away from the nuggets
0: yeah and i mean it's it we don't we don't have to beat around the bush on that the nuggets said michael porter junior wasn't going to be in the deal and he would have trumped any one of those pieces that that the Pelicans would have gotten back from a a Bucks trade package, despite the fact that some of those pieces could be really good. Um, This is a really good bet for for the Pelicans to make um, in terms of how high those picks could potentially get. But Porter's a potential star, like, right now, and and you could put him on your roster right now. I do understand it from their perspective that maybe, like, maybe that one of the reasons why they didn't want to wait for Porter was because he kind of reminds me of Ingram and he kind of reminds me of Zion in terms of the positions that they're going to play. So Mm -hmm. I, I could, I could see why they decided, yeah, we're going to go a different route.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, look, the nuggets let's kind of, I mean, from my perspective, look at it from new Orleans point of view. Um, Michael Porter is a lottery pick without having to use draft capital he's getting a it's you are getting a lottery pick um you are getting a potential future star you are getting someone who um was projected to be the at if not the top of the draft near the top of the draft in two thousand eighteen before his of his right. injuries right. um there is nothing that is basically like getting yourself a a a surefire desk esque uh, thing at the top. Um, so they, they, you could get that without having to, you know, draft them or anything like that. So you can see why that would be a desirable, pay. I mean, regardless of the positional issues, um, you can see why we'll just figure it out. Would be oh yeah probably how oh. it goes yeah <laughs> I think they,
0: they <laughs> yeah. would have been pretty happy if they got if they got Michael Porter Jr. because I think he's going to be a star and I think that's that's the common uh, that's the common sentiments around the NBA right now is he's a star waiting to happen mm-hmm. um, that's why he's so valuable so
1: right
0: uh, interesting stuff like I, I'm I'm curious as to see how how this pans out. Uh, but when we come back, we're going we're gonna to talk about a couple of other deals and potential deals that may happen because it looks like Robert Covington just got traded too. We'll be right back. Now we're back. Nuggets Numbers. Ryan Blackburn here joined today by Jeff Thornton, the King of Thornton himself. Uh, Jeff, another guy that I thought might be a decent piece for the Nuggets if things worked out was Robert Covington. And given the fact that Jeremy Grant is likely going to be very important for what the Nuggets do going forward, uh, Robert Covington was kind of that, that piece in the back of my head that if Jeremy Grant were to walk, then this kind of player would be really helpful. Because he's he's about as good of an approximation of was as what you get from Jeremy Grant as anybody in the league, I think. Right. Um, yeah. Portland got him for Trevor Ariza and two first round picks, a an unprotected twenty twenty first and a protected twenty twenty one first. Um first of all, your thoughts on the deal for both sides initially.
1: What it tells me about Houston is that uh the reckoning is coming and yeah. both Westbrook and Harden are going to be gone because you don't trade a player of Ke- Covington's caliber and just get back Trevor Ariza, who was there before. Things weren't right. messy. Yeah. You know, you, you can't, you're not running the same system you were. It's, it's different. Right. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think that that, that part means to me that it's just not, I mean, to, Covington's a better player than Trevor Ariza, so the 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 for the Portland side, Robert Covington uh, will make a difference to them. I mean, hell, uh, uh, Ariza wasn't even there in the playoffs, uh, or the uh, yeah, the playoffs. So he, I mean, yeah, Covington you're a more is. A,
0: I, I really like the Covington fit for the Blazers because mm-hmm. what, what do we know about their offense? It's going to be centered around Damian Lillard. It's going to be centered around CJ McCollum. It's going to be a pick and roll with a guy like Yusuf Nurkic or Zach right. Collins? And the other two guys really just have to be able to play defense and hit threes. And Robert Covington does that. He's a, he's as good of a team defensive player as there is on the wing. Uh, and, and he takes just a bunch of threes, and when he hits them, he, he just spaces the floor really well for a team like Houston, and he did it well for a team like Minnesota. Uh, I think he'll probably do the same thing on Portland, and I think that, that to me, makes Portland pretty dangerous because they just went from a broken-down Trevor Ariza to <laughs> one of the best 3-and-D wings in the league at Robert Covington. That's,
1: that's, well, that's, what, that's scary. That's one of the things they have needed. I mean, look, who knows? Is Melo going to resign there i mean what are they going to do with mellow and are they, does he intending to resign there because obviously you start robert covington at three you yeah. know at this point it particularly in Melo's yeah. career you got to start him at three so i think i think that in itself i mean no offense to carmelo anthony who i love for his time and here in denver but honestly you take robert covington over carmelo anthony particularly with in the modern league. So um, I think he makes them a better team. I don't know how much better, but he does make them a better team because I think it's getting my, my own view with the players is they're getting a little stale with uh, McCollum and Lillard. I think teams know how to handle them. If Lillard goes off for 60, he goes off for 60, you know, and then it becomes just make sure McCollum doesn't get that junky mid range, 24 points. That he gets right. sometimes right. and then you you do that so you they cut teams have kind of keyed on on how to make sure that they don't you know go off obviously Covington with the spacing makes that a little more difficult but you know I, I I I think he makes them better I think don't know if he they get to the mid playoff picture or anything like that but I mean at least that's how it, what, what do you think?
0: Um. I liked what I saw from Gary Trent Jr. in the playoffs. I think he's right. another guy that's on the wing there that, that might make some sense. Uh, maybe you start him at the three and Covington at the four and you play small. Uh, I think it gives them a lot of options. And that's the good thing about Covington is that he's just a piece that kind of fits where you put him. and And his ability to kind of mold into different sets and into different situations, I think, makes things a lot easier for the Blazers when they when they have to really try to get something going because they had a re- a really like it a really good bubble run until they met with the Lakers but they didn't have anybody to match up with LeBron or AD. Uh Robert Covington isn't going to stop either of those guys, but he's going to make it a lot more difficult than let's say Wenyan Gabriel is or Hassan Whiteside or uh Gary Trent, for that matter. So, like, just adding another guy who kind of bridges that gap between McCollum, Lillard, and Nurkic, I think that's – like, he's a good player. People talk about him as a top 50 player in the league, and oh, yeah. anytime you could add a, a talent like that, that's good. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I I, I just – I don't know if it changes their ceiling dramatically because he's, he's a high floor piece. He really, he really raises the floor of your team by giving you a great baseline for what you need to do every single night. Uh, But if your first option is Damian Lillard, then you're doing pretty well. But if your second option is CJ McCollum, then I I, I still struggle with that.
1: You know, he actually is the equivalent of the Nuggets trading for Aaron Aflalo in 2009. Because he was better than Dante Jones. Yeah, And before things fell apart, that Nuggets team was actually better. It was appreciably better. Yeah, but the the issue with the Blazers is I don't know how good they are. Uh, Nurkic is constantly getting injured. Uh, so is Collins. I, I I don't know how they're going to be because you never see all the pieces together. You don't know how good they're going to be. I guess is the the point I'm making. So, uh, but I think Covington just on as a standalone entity will help them uh it remains to be seen uh how much considering the blazers history with health
0: right yeah and and robert covington has a bad interest had a, has a bad injury right. in history as well so right uh but against like let's let's say it's the let's say it's the lakers you're probably not going to win that series no matter what no matter who you get because you have yeah. lillard uh, McCollum and and Nurkic as your top three. Like that's just a right. problem. Uh, if it's the Clippers, then maybe you could make something happen against somebody like uh uh Kawhi Leonard and against Paul George. That to me yeah makes some sense. Um and against the Nuggets, like Robert Covington's about as good of a Michael Porter Jr. defender as there probably is in the NBA. So that right. could be like that's that's something to think about, something to put in the back of the minds for for people that are trying to evaluate this deal. Um, okay. Let's, let's talk about a different, a a different trade actually that happened. And you mentioned this on your podcast. I think it was yesterday. Um, or I, I think I listened, I don't remember if I I listened to it today. Uh, it was the CP three trade and how that really affects things and how that, that really started things for a variety of teams. Uh, I, I got some clarification that, uh, the CP3 trade has been consummated today, and because of that, it doesn't look like the Suns are going to have appreciable cap room going in, going into this next season. All right. Um, if they had waited, if they had decided that they wanted to to hold off on that and until and, and to make it official after signing mm-hmm. players, then I would be a little bit more concerned about them acquiring Jeremy Grant for some for one reason or another. But
1: I don't know I why they this, didn't yeah like what were they were they worried about something that that's that's a strange you would think that they would ma- be want to maximize their cap because it yeah, was a difference of nine million you know yeah that's
0: a that's a lot of money <laughs> like like having 18 million versus having the nine million dollar mid-level exception like right. the nuggets can go over that number like they, they they will go over that number if need be i don't know if right. they would go to 18 million but they would definitely go to like 13 or 14 or even 15, I think. All right, um, yeah. So I, I, I was curious about that, but eliminating that from the perspective, like CP three on the Suns, like that's another good team that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, like that team, they went eight and know the bubble for a reason. They had a good foundation with Booker being surrounded by playmate, uh, by defend defensive wings that can shoot. And then Deandre Ayton rolling to the ro- rolling to the rim. Excuse me. I'm stuttering now. Um, <laughs> like CP three, you add that to that formula, and like, like, it's they all they all they really had to upgrade, all they really had to to put in there was Ricky Rubio, their current starting point guard. It was uh, Kelly Oubre, who didn't play in the bubble, uh-huh. and it was, uh, was it, it was Jalen Lecue. It was one other small piece that didn't play. Uh, and then I think they sent the twenty twenty two first round pick. I, I I checked the the details on on it. I don't think they sent anything more than that.
1: No, they didn't. But it's it's going to be interesting because I I mean obviously Oklahoma City has a what you would call a plethora of picks. A plethora of picks. That's a, that's a big word there. <laughs> Um, but they t- they have many picks, which I'm 90% sure they'll flip into something. But, um, you know, they got some flexibility there. And obviously that means that Daniela Gallinari won't be coming back or anything like that. So right. obviously their ship has sailed. As far as the Suns go, I think they may have given up a little too much. Um, I'm a little worried about that for the Suns. I think, yeah, that's going to be pretty good with Paul and Booker and Aiden. Uh, but man, I would have tried to, as my best to hang on to Ubre. I'll be honest with you. What
0: do you, What do you think of him in the context of the Suns team right now?
1: What uh, Kelly Oubre? like, like,
0: like what What would Kelly Ubre have done? Just kind of like added to their group because he wasn't starting in the bubble, and and I I think that they really liked what Mikhail Bridges gave them. Right?
1: That's true. I mean, Bridges uh, Bridges <laughs> seemed to be the preferred player, but you know, Ubre really gave them a little grit um, that I think – I'm not saying that they were missing, but they didn't have that kind of competitive flirt. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. A, a, a player that hard-headed and determined next to Chris Paul is probably going to have a nightmare of a time knowing Chris <laughs> Paul's reputation. Sure, so maybe sure. that was the better – move but i would have but i i just i just i would have held on to Ubre. but at the same time you know look you got to do what you got to do specifically when a player like paul is making 40 something million dollars in a season you gotta uh, you gotta work to match that deal you really do
0: do you think that the the upgrade from rubio to cp3 was worth giving up for like was worth giving up Ubre for
1: I mean, that's a good question. I didn't even thought about that because uh, Rubio's in, injured a lot, though. Yeah. I mean, he's another one. Uh,
0: he on Twitter, too, by the way, he was like, man, hell of a business. I think, I think that's what he said, hell of a business mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the context of all of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, I, I mean, Ricky Rubio seems to be a fantastic teammate. Yeah. Uh everywhere he goes, people love him. Uh he was great in Utah. He was great with the with the Timberwolves uh as far as being a teammate. Um I think that, that that you know obviously it's hard to give up, but you I mean Chris Paul proved that he still got it last year. And I think that changed the perception of his contract. So therefore it was worth it. If he yeah. hadn't had that year last year, you didn't, ain't, ain't no one trading for Chris Paul.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, he second team All NBA uh, led those thun, led that Thunder team to what I think was definitely a surprising, let's uh, say, surprising uh, run, uh, where right. they really competed with a Houston team that everybody thought was way better than them, and it came down to the wire in Game Seven. So, like, it's definitely.
1: That was the uh, Lou Dort extravaganza.
0: Yeah, that was. <laughs> I I didn't actually watch that game, and I, I kicked myself for not watching it. I was just I was exhausted from the uh, from the Nuggets Jazz series that was that was going right. on every other day from that. Uh, right. But like that was. Uh, yeah, I I I think that the Thunder are going to be okay. They they've done really well with they added they added Danny Green and a first round pick. They've now added Rubio and Oubre and a future first-round pick. They still have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, they're not going to have Gallo. Maybe he's a yeah. guy that we could talk about for the Nuggets, though I, I would be surprised if he came to Denver again.
1: I um, would be too.
0: Yeah. And like, they're, they're going to be a good team even if they decide to like sell off some of those pieces, because they're just going to get back competent pieces and draft picks. And I think that Sam Presti has handled that rebuild well to the point where it's not going to feel like a rebuild, just more of a retooling.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's better. And I think recent history, i.e. the nuggets, um, and maybe even you could probably extrapolate that out to Daryl Morey have proved you don't need to tank yourself into an, obliv- an oblivion, in order to get collect draft capital and flip that into other players i think the nba has really transitioned away from the tankathon uh and they have really gone to this the different model of just doing getting a whole bunch of picks and then hoping these guys maybe settle on a core and then acquiring veterans on top of that and uh rather than going with the we need uber player uber player hopefully this this year then we when this year that we were nine and you know whatever <laughs> nine yeah. and 73 we'll yeah, be able to <laughs> <laughs> we'll be able to get this player and reward our fans i think the new process quote unquote is exactly what the oklahoma city thunder are doing and to a lesser extent but the predecessor to that was the denver nuggets who never tanked yeah and uh Got themselves in a position where they got two top, you know, ten players in the league. Tech fifteen players.
0: Yeah, we're gonna see about Murray. Uh, but like, I, I, I obviously have faith in him. You know me. Um, I do. <laughs> I made that pretty I, public.
1: I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm aware of your, your, your affection
0: so <laughs> it's it's just like you and gallo like like there is there's, really right. there's definitely there's <laughs> definitely an affinity there and a, and a connection there for sure <laughs> uh, let's talk about houston real quick because we, we kind of talked about it from the portland side of things from the Rocco deal but the houston as you mentioned like like those guys are not coming back um yeah your prediction for for when or if they, I'm not, it's not really, if it's now, when at this point, like, like when and where those guys might be traded.
1: Well, the, 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 the Harden thing is the most important part because, because I mean, I'll be honest with you who gives a flying, you know, what, about what, where yeah. Westbrook goes, yeah, um, sure. it, this is all, <laughs> this is be, all about Harden.
0: It's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be a 40 win, uh, seven seed in the Eastern conference. And we're going to, we're going to not I, talk about it.
1: <laughs> his perfect team is that team that knocked the Nuggets uh, out when Westbrook got that triple-double at Pepsi Center. It, it, that's his perfect oh. team. A team that's that's basically mediocre, and that that is the perfect Russell Westbrook team uh, uh, do you, do you where you he remember can collect who, rebounds. Yeah.
0: Do you remember who the player was that shot the three that gave Westbrook his 10th assist for his 42nd triple-double?
1: I don't because I was cringing at the people – Cheering for him, but what
0: yeah. was it? Who was it? It was, it was Samaj Christone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> name that will go down in infamy. <laughs> On and the don't tips. ask me why I remember that name,
0: but I think there it was just the 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 narrative around that team was that it was just Russell Westbrook and nobody else. And I think it's pretty apt that Samaj Christone was the one who got him that was got who got him that thing. And then we haven't heard from Ember seen from him ever again.
1: Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I did a good job in uh, in uh, you know getting a getting a nice because I remember that shot. That shot was basically the shot that no 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 the shot that sealed the deal was Russell Westbrook's shot.
0: Oh yeah, his, his that was three the, point uh, shot, like the thirty five foot mid like mid court shot. It was that was right.
1: Not- and bad. people were going nuts, and I just wanted to throw myself off of, the, of uh, Mount Loud. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I uh, as far as Houston goes, it's all about what Harden wants to do. And it's very clear from everyone who's reporting that he wants to go to Brooklyn, has made it known he wants to go to Brooklyn, and will, wants to force the team to tend him to Brooklyn. Problem being, I don't know if I mean the Karis Lavert gambit is going to work for a player of uh, Harden's caliber. I'll be honest with you, it's that's yeah. kind of like what is good for trading for, like what was rumored before with uh, Drew Holiday, is not going to work for a player of of Harden's caliber. You got to get better than just. Drew Hall, I mean, uh, than just uh, Karis Lavert and Spencer Dinwiddie and all that stuff. You gotta, you gotta get better than that. And yeah, I a star, right? You have gotta uh, get a star. Uh, and, I, and, and unless they, unless they're gonna trade uh, Kyrie Irving, which why would they? So I don't know. And I don't I, even know how that's gonna work
0: maybe Kyrie was the guy who said that he didn't want to play with Harden like that, that he he uh, he wouldn't be one of the Brooklyn guys that wanted to play with him and I, I, I kind of get it like that would be it's going to be weird it's going to be not a lot of ball to go around for three ISO players right
1: oh my God, just kind of imagining ball three of them dribbling the air out of the ball it's going to be interminable oh my DeAndre god Jordan's
0: standing on the baseline uh, Joe <laughs> Joe Harris is running around the perimeter hoping for a pass. Like, that's about it. Like, that's, that's all they got.
1: Um, well, the, the, the Harden acolytes are out there desperately saying that he never wanted to play that way. And he played, a, he played off ball a lot in Oklahoma City. Yeah. But the problem, the problem was Harden wanted to play the way he's playing in, in, in Houston. That's what he yeah. wanted to play. That, I mean, there's been a lot of narrative spin with Harden and the mess that he has created in Houston, and else it's, it's, it's he has created because no one wants to play with, play for him for with him for whatever reason. I, I mean, Chris Paul now uh, Russell yeah. Westbrook.
0: I, I think yeah. we could say that there is a reason he's really difficult to play with. He pounds the ball into the ground and doesn't do a lot of t- stuff on the defensive end and like there's it's just it's a problem and people people should be upset that such a player that is that literally has top 15 all-time potential in a guy like Harden like just continues to pound the ball into the ground and doesn't like isn't right. willing to do the things to make other teammates happy like mm-hmm. that's like PJ Tucker is probably pissed and Trevor Ariza was pissed and the fact that he's coming back to that team as you said earlier to me off pod it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny that Trevor Ariza is yes. going back there.
1: <laughs> Trevor Ariza was really upset with him because he never got an apology from Daryl Morey for basically like treating him like a piece of meat. Basically, one of the reasons he hated it there, and maybe he'd be more inclined to come back now that Morey's not there. But mm-hmm. you
0: know, he got was... mad. He got mad that he had to sign a contract with with Sacramento to get money, and then Sacramento right. traded him less than a year into that thing um that's right yeah that's uh that's bad but let's 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 pivot to this part of this discussion um if it's not brooklyn then who is it with Harden? who who is the destination that makes the most sense for a player of his caliber that's willing to take a chance on a guy
1: like that philly it's gotta be philly right I mean, would, would Maury want him back? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it was necessarily all sunshine and roses between Maury and Harden at the end, but um, obviously you do what it takes to get a player like that, right? I mean, and, and even with the Nuggets, like, you know, some team comes and say, you know, James Harden wants to come to Denver. You're like, hmm. Harden, huh? do we, then, then you have to really think about it because he's James fucking Harden, you know?
0: Yeah. Would you trade Murray for Harden right now?
1: Oh, okay. I could answer this two ways. I could answer in the way that's not going to offend you, but I can answer in the way that <laughs> will. Look, I don't like the way he plays. I, I'll be straight up on it with you. And do you remember, what was it, the two thousand. 12 playoffs when they played the lakers and uh middle world peace elbowed him in the in in the face yeah,
0: that's right that's that's how i would feel for most of the year
1: <laughs> I, I i i think about that moment a lot i really do and what i mean obviously he had a short fuse anyway i mean ron Artest oh, yeah. had a short fuse sure. anyway but yeah, i keep to thinking back Arnold my test. mind <laughs> right and i keep thinking back in my mind what happened that led him to do that what was going on and i think a lot of it was the harden even back then was doing the drawing the fouls with just putting your arms out you know yeah. how you would just drag the, drive the lane and drag your arm with him uh, up to the hoop and stuff like that. So I'm thinking, okay, there's probably some of that cheap stuff going on because Harden's the king of the cheap stuff. But at the yeah. same time, he's he's a transit, you know, transformative talent. And I think you get that every time if it's available to you to get. Um, it would be hard not to, I guess. I mean, it, it, but at the same time, it's hard for me to remove my loathing for the way he plays. So I'm, you know horn i guess that's my
0: legit yeah. answer i think i think in a vacuum you do it as as somebody who is the biggest murray fan on the internet uh he is an incredibly nice person and i think that he is an extreme talent who really showed out in the bubble and deserved to have his moment for sure uh and yet james harden is james harden I would love to be able to do it by just including Michael Porter jr. And a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. that would, like, I, I would, I would be on that. I, I, I got flamed for thinking twice about it on Twitter yesterday. Uh, for whatever reason, people thought, Hey, it's, it's really dumb of, a, really dumb of you to think about, like think twice of, of something like that. But I don't know. Like it, it He's a tough player to really evaluate fairly, right? Like, like in a vacuum, his val his value is awesome. And then again, like, how would he play in Denver? And like, are are they are they infinitely better with him over Murray next to Jokic? Like, I, they're they're more talented, but is that talent going to get them over the Lakers? I don't know.
1: One of my big issues with the way Lakers were playing down and in against the Lakers was that what Jokic should have been doing is doing what he did against Rudy Gobert, which was essentially draw him out and let give Murray a little more space to operate. uh, And hopefully Jokic can hit his threes and stuff like that. They weren't doing that. And I'm, I was surprised um, at the time. And if you had a player like Harden, the dynamic specifically with Jokic would be a lot different. Yeah. And, uh, but apparently Harden and Jokic get along from what I understand. So they haven't
0: played together yet. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's what I'm worried about. Like, remember what we just said about James Harden and the fact that he drives every other star away from him. Like, like he Uh drove Russell Westbrook out of town. He drove Chris Paul out of town. He drove Dwayne Howard out of town. Like, do we want him to drive Nikola Jokic out of town? Like if, if you like he has two years left on his deal at the end of that, like, like I I just don't know if, if I would upset the dynamic, like I I think it's tough.
1: It's easy for us, you know, as you know, people who are uh, ostensibly participate in the activity of media to sit here and say, well, it's easy for us to make that decision. I, I wouldn't do it because I, you know, the various on good reasons that you pointed out. But at the same time, uh nine times out of ten, someone makes that available to you, you take it. And that is the problem right now with the with what Harden wants to do in going to Brooklyn is that I just don't think Brooklyn has enough for Houston. So therefore Houston I think will wait and wait and wait. Because it kinda like Mellow, they have no reason to James Harden is under contract for 2 years. They have no reason to unload him right now. None.
0: I don't I don't know if that's so. true. Like I I know that he is under contract, but the longer they wait, the less value they're going to get on a trade. Like I know we just saw like like any any team that trades for Harden knows that they could get a rental and knows that they could wa- that he could walk at any point. And the team isn't going to trade their best assets for one year of him knowing that he could possibly walk. I think like, I think it's the same thing with, with Drew holiday up until the fact that Milwaukee just had this fluke situation where they also had a potential top 25 player of all time who could walk at the end of the year. Uh, So I, 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 it's tough. Like I, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and I just don't think that he's going to, command as much as people think that he's going to command but i could be wrong we just saw drew Holiday get traded for three first round picks and two pick swaps and so maybe i'm maybe i'm bonkers maybe i'm going the other way with this
1: well i mean other than michael porter jr and maybe trying to get a pick a a higher pick this year the nuggets weren't going to be able to throw three three firsts into that you know i don't think they, they can have. trade could they could they have trade? cuz the the pick they oh, have no, this it, year is is Houston's so
0: so they can trade so it, the Stepien rule takes it like it takes that into account that as long as you have one pick you can trade uh-huh. your own picks consecutively so at the draft at the draft on wednesday they could technically trade uh their 2021 first their 2021 first their 2023 first and they're 2025 first. And they could trade all four of those first-rounders if they wanted to. Um, they probably won't because for the, for the reasons that I talked about and the fact that they were just in the Western Conference Finals. Like, they, they may not need it. They may not need to upset the boat and do some crazy stuff. Um,
1: well, I, I, I think that sitting on their laurel laurels will be a bad idea if they want to win now because other teams are getting better and the Nuggets – are getting to the point now where they got to the Western Conference Finals, but what the Lakers did was that they, they exposed some weaknesses in the Nuggets. Even though the Nuggets feel, and you, if you talk to people in the Nuggets, they feel like they should have won yeah. uh, that series, or at least you know brought it to seven. Um, uh, I mean, not the they, the Nuggets won't say they should have won it, but they 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 will definitely tell you that this series was more competitive than it seemed because they were in every game. Sure. Except for, sure. except for game one. And uh, that was where it was. But the problem is the Lakers exploited the fact that the Nuggets couldn't rebound and they lacked size and
0: hold that thought. Let's, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get right into this. We're going to, we're going to talk about everything related to the nuggets off season, uh, free agency trade wise, ignoring the draft. We'll be right back. number is ryan Blackburn here thank you for tuning in uh long conversation with jeff martin i always love talking to jeff he is awesome he is great uh we have we continue to have a great relationship and i'm very thankful for that just transitioning into the denver stiff site managing role was difficult and 2020 brought a pandemic and without having jeff's support i don't know what i would have done so Thank you again. I appreciate. For,
1: it. Uh, I appreciate I, I helping you. You've been you've been you've been uh, uh, great in managing the site, and like uh, like I told you know I don't know if when Andy and I were on with you we talked about how I kind of have this you know like, patriarchal view of of stiffs. <laughs> and I want to make sure, sure that every, it's still doing well and I have no worries with you it's just it's like I don't even have to I don't even have to like check in on you because I know that it's good so uh, you've got this unlock, son
0: <laughs> well I appreciate that <laughs> uh, Jeff you, you, you slick son of a bitch like that's great I, no, I, I appreciate
1: that, that. <laughs> it, I, I should <laughs> never talk like that to be quite honest with you I should never say fam I should never say Son, I shouldn't bruh. say I. I shouldn't say <laughs> bruh. I, there's things that I shouldn't say that I that I just said right now, and I actually feel dirty. So uh, yeah,
0: I love it. No, it's been great. I, I love I love talking to you. It's been awesome, and we're gonna continue to talk. And I'm glad we're talking about this because this is mm-hmm. uh, this is a really weird spot that the Nuggets are now in because I think that they they seriously thought that they were into Drew Holiday sweepstakes, and mm-hmm. Then Milwaukee came with three first-round picks and two pick swaps and probably trumped every offer that the Nuggets could have thrown in without including Michael Porter Jr. So uh, you just talked about how the Nuggets were really close in the Western Conference Finals and a lot closer than the in-five series indicated. Uh, they could have won game two but lost on a buzzer beater. So right there is one 50-50 game that could have gone their way. Uh, uh. And then they probably could have forced another game their way as well with just a little bit a little bit slightly better play. And then, then you're talking about a seven-game series right at that point, right at that threshold without changing too much. But you just said that the Nuggets really struggle with rebounding. Uh, is that something that the players on their roster can improve from within and playing Michael Porter Jr. more can improve from within? Or are you still concerned if they go into it with the same roster?
1: No, they can't. They can't do that from within because the Lakers' size was too big. You can only like get do under how do I put this? You need one guy who's going to get the dirty work, right? And you can't leave it to Jokic. And I think that part uh, is where I am most concerned about. Right. Their approach, because um, Jokic was, you know, you're you're putting Jokic in the position where he has to do all the rebounding, all the outlet passing, all this stuff that he that he has to do against a team that has tremendous size. It wasn't necessarily Dwight Howard uh, playing well against uh, Nikola Jokic. It was the fact that he mucked it up enough to where he eliminated Jokic's ability to affect the game uh by get, grabbing a rebound and getting that outlet pass and doing all that stuff. Uh right. Jokic Jokic was too preoccupied with that and they the Nuggets couldn't counter with anything because quite frankly Paul Millsap was okay uh but he wasn't really getting rebounds. Um Jerry McGrant, yeah. we all know right now is not a rebounder. Um it never Jr. Will be. is That's, yeah yeah I,
0: I, I acknowledge that Jeremy Grant like as as high as I am on him and his individual fit with Murray, Porter, Jokic, that is his biggest weakness that I think will be masqueraded by Porter and Jokic. But it's not a guarantee. Like if, if you have another guy like Dwight Howard that teams are throwing out there on the Nuggets and then you've got Anthony Davis or let's say, let's say other contenders decide that they want to throw some money at Biggs to try to to try to combat the Lakers. That's those are other teams that the Nuggets are going to have to compete with rebounding wise. So, well, yeah. Um, And,
1: and, and and also you're going to have to compete with the golden state warriors. I mean, I think there's, there's, there's teams that are getting better and you can't be the team. That's just like, "Eh, we're young. You're right. Because uh, that works when you're ascending and you haven't made it to the Western conference finals. Right. Right. But they need a peripheral trade. Not a, not a, not a, not a trade that will like a four star but they need a they need a i've made the analogy in my you know obviously because all my analogies are uh don't make it past 1990 um they need a they need a uh charles oakley for bill cartwright type of trade Mm. Okay. a trade on the edge but that solidifies what their vision is or they need a adrian dantley for mark aguirre type of yeah trade.
0: that's a good that's a good one too um no i i think i think that's right and and i i've i've kind of circled back around to this that if paul milsap at 35 wasn't really able to do that if he if he really if he really struggled with the physicality of and the the overall athleticism of a lakers front court then I'm not sure bringing him back at age 36 is the way to go. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure that's the way that the Nuggets should be approaching this thing. Despite the fact that Millsap is a good player and does a lot of good things, uh, there are ways that they need to improve that I don't think he improves them with.
1: If the Nuggets are going to insist on playing as slow as continental drift, then, <laughs> then they're going to need a tough guy. I mean, that that's really what it's going to be. Yeah,
0: no, I, 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 that's that's a great point. Um, they they were one of the last teams in pace this year, and it's something that I don't expect to really continue with Porter out there. Well, you never know. Jokic kind of likes to slow it down. He he's not a he's not a like run up and down the court kind of player as as he probably shouldn't be. And given the way that they rely heavily on Murray, that he's probably not going to want to sprint up and down the floor either. So I kind of well and.
1: Jamal likes walking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, they run far too many plays for me. Uh, if, I'm, if I have a nitpick with the Nuggets, I think they run too many plays. Uh, they need to be a little more free. But
0: I think that's going to change this year, by the way.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, because I think, I have think to. they – I think they, they get too stuck into – when you're running that many plays, you're, you're thinking – I mean, even in the halcyon days of the triangle, okay, uh, if you look at the Bulls' first three championships, they maybe ran triangle about 30% of the game. The rest of it was transition, trapping, and getting turnovers, and the Bulls were right. a tremendous defense, right? <laughs> sure. uh, they were able to do that. Uh, but they only actually ran plays, quote-unquote, triangle plays, about 30% of the time, roughly. They ran the most triangle they ever ran in that year. First year, Jordan was gone when they won 55 games. Uh, that was the best coaching job Phil, Phil Jackson ever did. And that was all. almost – they ran 70%, 80% triangle plays. But anyway, uh, you don't need to, particularly in the modern NBA, you don't need to constantly be running play after play after play. Horns, horns out, you know, just – just they need to stop thinking so much. And I think this team thinks too much. And I think Jokic would prefer not to think this much because I think he's much oh, yeah. more instinctual than people give him credit for. You
0: know? Oh, I think, I think he's probably the player who's the most instinctual, right. like one of the most instinctual players in the league because of how he reads the court uh, on such a consistent basis. So right. I think that's a, it's a great idea. And Let's let's actually let's let's pivot now to Grant specifically because he's probably the now that now that Drew Holiday's out of there like he's probably the keystone piece for what the Nuggets are going to do. Yep. Uh what are what are your current thoughts? What is your current read on the situation on Jeremy Grant and and where he and the Nuggets currently
1: stand? Well, uh now that uh the the Phoenix Suns decided stupidly in my opinion to uh <laughs> not wait to, to consummate their deal for Chris Paul, um, then they're out kind of out of the picture because all they got is MLE. So shoot, I don't see a bunch of, I don't really don't see a bunch of our obstacles to it unless, unless uh, like, and it won't be Atlanta, it'll be Detroit comes out and said, look, we'll make you a million a year. At that point you go, well, it was nice to know you. <laughs> Mr. Grant, and I glad you secured the bag
0: you you lagged out Goodbye. a little bit at that that's number what you, have to say. Uh, you lagged out a little bit at that number. What was that number by the way
1: twenty two I said but it could oh, be yeah more, that's cool you know, oh,
0: <laughs> yeah that's a that's a large number <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> and
0: and and I love jeremy Grant. I love what he does for the nuggets, and I think he's great. um i would yeah i think I think my walking away price would be eighteen to twenty mil. Um, just because like like we said it it, it does ruin some flexibility it kind of lock locks you into a specific team for a while uh, and and there may be other players that come around that give you some of what grant does but right now i just don't see a lot of those guys it's one of the reasons why i think that he is so important to bring back because there aren't that many of those kinds of players out in the league like porter needs a player next to him who is athletic enough to stay on the perimeter but also strong enough and long enough to battle with guys inside and take some of those tougher assignments away. Okay. Um, so I, I think that grant checks both of those boxes in that case. Uh, so I think that they're probably going to bring it back. I think that that's kind of my read on this thing that, that whatever the deal is, they're, they're going to figure it out. It might be slightly larger or slightly smaller than, than people seem to think, but ultimately it will get done. And that's, that's kind of the kicking off point for what the nuggets need to do.
1: Well, I think that I think that I, I kind of made a, the comment on this on my on my podcast today that I recorded prior to the, uh, the once again prior to Phoenix going early on their deal is um, there is a walking away point with Grant, but I think the way this is headed is fifteen. Fourteen to fifteen million yeah. per year, yeah. which I think is about where it should be. Yeah, um, I think in general, though, with the cap saying flat, um, they go. They're going to need to eventually upgrade at shooting guard, upgrade a power forward, because I think I and I'm going to say that. And you say power forward? That's where Jeremy Grant's playing. I yeah. kind of see him as a three. I he, he to me he fits better as a three. I d I mean I mean I could be, am I wrong here? I just he just looks like well,
0: I think I think the, the great thing about Grant and Porter is that they're both kind of like three, four hybrids. They both do some of the things that you need from both of those spots. Like like Porter's gonna be the outside shooter that you want from the three. He's gonna be the offensive creator you want from the three. But on defense, Grant is the guy that you want to the three. He's the guy who checks LeBron James. He's the guy who checks Kawhi Leonard. He, he stands on the perimeter as more of a three and D wing in terms of like, like his actual play style. So I totally agree with you there. But that's, that's one of the reasons why I think he and Porter make sense together with what the Nuggets want to do. Uh, but if they decide to, if, if like, I don't know. Like, like I, because I believe in Porter, I also believe in Grant, if, if that makes sense.
1: No, yeah, no. I, I, I believe in both those guys. Um, yeah. And I think they'll work well in tandem, but they need the ancillary tough guy. And I just I wish I knew where to identify that. Because you know, even with like, well, I'll go back to this. With, okay, see, Lou Dort was their tough guy. They have Steven Adams on their roster, but the tough guy was Lou Dort. He was doing the dirty stuff. And he was really making life hell for James Harden in that yeah. series, right? Yeah. It, so so uh you need a guy who's gonna dirty it up like that if you're going to play the way the Nuggets play. So if you're gonna go down that direction, that's the missing yeah, that's really your missing piece. Other than two, I think Gary, it's really been shown is great at defending point guards, particularly say damian lillard uh get players like that he's a great point guard Garter. uh tory craig was great on smaller players uh just right that was his his where he excelled um but at the two now with everyone getting bigger i mean you got clay freaking thompson at six seven and a half right Yeah. yeah um You've you Paul George, Cougar's, like Paul like there's George. there's a
0: lot of tall wings that the Nuggets are going to have right. to contend with. They have to contend with Luka Doncic on the perimeter, like right. They've got Paul George. They've got, as you said, Clay Thompson's going to come back and he's going to be really yeah. good, and they're going to need somebody right. to chase him around that's also tall enough to contest him.
1: And Gary, as great as he is defensively, is six four, you know, and and that's kind of pushing it he's he's right in that area and he's small for two now didn't used to be Mm -hmm. that way but he's small for two and it's like i i don't know how long the nuggets are going to be able to get away with that particularly since the drew holiday uh, trade is off the table now yeah
0: yeah i I don't know what their i don't know what their plans are um it's a it's a tough thing and and i i wonder if Gary is pro- – I, I, I think that it's now likely – the most likely scenario is that he's back. The most yep. likely scenario is that he is starting uh, just because I think that Barton is probably the guy that you send to the bench in that situation if you want Porter to thrive. Um, but I could be wrong, and I could have a clearly a bad read on,
1: on some of these things. Uh, well, I don't, I don't even know if they're going to – I mean, if, if, if things haven't been changed, I don't even know if Malone's going to start Porter. I mean, he should. Yeah,
0: that would be I, – I would be blown away if he doesn't start him. I would be blown yeah, away. So.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so.
0: A couple free agent targets that I would look at if I were the Nuggets if you want to explore toughness in the front court. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serge Ibaka, probably yeah. going to get a balloon payment from Toronto, a one-year big deal. But if he doesn't, if they decide that they don't want to do that, or if he just wants a change of scenery, then – he he would work great as a, as a kind of four or five hybrid right. for what the nuggets want to do. Yeah, uh, Derek favors is similar, uh, kind of not less of a shooter, but more of a physical uh, like rebounder type. Uh, I, I would love to have Derek favors to battle against Dwight Howard. I think mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Um Instead of Mason Plumley, for example, like that's, right. that's a guy who's not going to get moved off his spot and is going to do the right thing defensively every single time. And that was a big, big problem with Plumley.
1: I, I, uh, I've told this story many times, but Derek favors was part of a, a weirdly fictitious yet not fictitious trade, uh, featuring the New Jersey nets back in when Melo was going to be traded and it was yep. a favorite featuring Derek favors. And it was bringing in Andre Kirilenko from the, uh, um, the Utah jazz. And there were some draft picks involved. And uh, Derek favors was a big, big part of that because remember he was like the third pick in the draft that year. something. yeah, like that.
0: it was like those 2010 or so like, like yeah. that was, that was a, a different time where, where he had a lot of like, Upside, and like people thought that he could be the next big big man uh, type,
1: and he turned out to be just a well. I mean, not just, but I mean, look, there's there's no player I think that gave has given Jokic more of a hard time than Derek Favors, actually. So, possible?
0: It's yeah. hey, he's he's a he's a load in the post. Jokic can't move right. him, and he's he's uh, he's six ten, but like he has these long arms that. When when Jokic would want to go up for his shot, suddenly Derek Favors is stretching his arms up and he's already blocking the shot. So yep. it's uh, like he he's a guy who I would I would think about. I would definitely seriously consider. Yeah, uh, Jamichael Green's another guy. He's more of like a like he's got that that Clippers stigma on him, but he's he uh, like he he's a good piece. He was probably their best big man option against Jokic, and that's uh, that's saying something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Actually it's not saying
1: much. That's no, never much. No. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I was gonna say, really? <laughs> I don't recall yeah. it the same way. Um but he was certainly <laughs> I mean look, they couldn't they couldn't guard him with anyone. They couldn't, you know, it's just it it's why Doc Rivers left. Get <laughs> guard yeah. was fired. He's um, just, uh... with the uh, Sixers um but uh yeah no it it, there's some guys out there I mean what I'm looking for from the Nuggets is just like I I like Mason a lot I just he becomes unplayable in the playoffs and you can't have a backup center that becomes unplayable in the playoffs Mm -hmm. that's it's simply put
0: and given the fact that you're not throwing him into a Drew holiday deal, maybe Bull Bull is a guy that, that steps into a rotation at some point. Or, or he, he's a guy who gives spot minutes uh, at, a, at, a consistent, at a consistent rate towards the end of the year, a la Michael Porter Jr. this past season.
1: I mean, um, you guys have a lot more faith in Bull Bol than I do. I, I just yeah. I, I need to see him, and kind of like with Porter, I need to see him healthy. For the full yes. season i I mean, while we have seen is a handful of of seating games with him, basically um yeah. and it's I'm going to need to see him be able to stay so healthy because the genetic side of that as athletic and good and talented as as he is is let's face it, his dad was plagued plagued with the same kind of lower leg issues and that that bull was. And I I that that I, and I just I just really it frightens me. This is what it does. It frightens me more than Porter's back.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's I, I I need to see it as well. Uh I do agree with you that he's probably not a guy that you should pencil in for fifteen to twenty minutes immediately the hope is that he kind of works into that role or maybe, maybe that's all he's good for. Maybe, maybe he's never going to be a starter, but he can be a game changing bench player and, and yeah. just kind of play him in a, in spurts like eight minute spurts every game. And, and yeah. you do that twice. Uh, let's, let's look at some of the, the shooting guard candidates. Uh, I'm, I've i just pulled up spot track over here on my end and just looking at some of the free agents that might be available. Uh, that, that kind of makes sense as bigger wings. Um, uh, uh news came out just now that Bogdan Bogdanovich uh he's gonna be courted by the Milwaukee Bucks and they're gonna try and sign and trade for him. So that that's that's a guy that they're they're gonna target, they're gonna go after and, and what do they have left? I well, I I don't know. Uh DiVincenzo maybe? Like like that to me seems like a, a piece that they would be willing to part with for an upgrade. Uh I don't know.
1: Wow. Oh interesting. I I yeah, I'd have to think about that one. I'm not sure what they got. I mean, uh, West Matthews.
0: Well, so West Matthews just opted out and of his player option, and so he hmm. was connected to the Lakers. Hmm. Um, it's it it's no surprise to me then that they are in a rumor for another shooting guard. It, it to me it's it seems that West Matthews isn't going to be back, and that he's a guy who may. Who may be gone, and, and if I were the Nuggets, I would be serious about Wes Matthews because he's another guy who, yeah. While while he's like he was a starter this past year, um, he's probably not a starter quality player, but he can give you rotation minutes in terms mm-hmm. of like like being in the playoffs and defending certain types of players. And I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, six six. Like, does that sound yeah. wrong? No, yeah, I think
1: six... he's. Is he is he six
0: Yeah, let's let's click on his profile and see. Um. Uh, nope. Just kidding. That doesn't tell me. Uh, <laughs> Wesley. I think he's six
1: Matthews. five or six six. I think that's, it's it's where what he is uh, listed yeah. at
0: six five. So maybe he maybe he's just a little bit of extra size over Gary. But if it's if it's that marginal, then I'm not even sure if it's if it's worth it. Right? Like,
1: right, would, you, would right. you
0: upset the boat for one extra inch of size for your shooting guard position?
1: I, I mean i'm just i and I hate being pessimistic, but obviously we were we got blindsided by the draw day thing before we started yeah. this yeah. but i I just don't want to get the whole rigmarole of we're running it back, we got faith in our guys blah 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 i mean everyone gets everyone gets it no one doesn't have faith in the roster uh I always hated that straw man uh, that organizations put out there but i i I would be more happy if they laid it out on the table and said, look, we, we definitely know what our weaknesses are. The Western conference gets better and better every single year. We know it. Uh, and we're going to go for it. And yeah. I, I think they need to, I think they at least very, at least send a signal that they, they're willing to do that. That is not trading for Zach Levine, you know? So,
0: yeah, not that one. That's a bad one. Um, yeah. So, right now they have 10 players that are under contract. You have nine on the full-time roster and you have bowl bowl. Who's on the two-way contract. Given the, given the rules that came out about the two-way deals, I don't expect them to convert bowl bowl to a normal deal. They're going to keep him on that two-way contract most likely for the entirety of the season. And then because of that, they get restricted rights on him. They get, they get restricted rights at the end of the year. They could sign him to whatever contract they want them to. And they're, they're good at that point. Um, but they still have six other positions. Like, are they like it, even if they sign grant, for example, even if they draft somebody at 20, 22 overall, they'll still have grant plus like grant plus a 22. That that means they have five positions to fill on the roster four on the main roster and one, two way contract. Like they have decisions to make and you could either <laughs> bring back Paul Millsap and Mason Plumley and Torrey Craig and try to re figure out the, the same pieces or, given the fact that Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a big, like he's going to be a big piece of this thing going forward. Like I would try to work something around what you believe to be your future. And I, I would try to get out in front of that if at all possible. Um, I yeah. think that like a, a, a Justin holiday, even though drew didn't come like, like he's six foot six, he makes sense off the bench. Like he's like, he's a guy who gives them at least a little bit of an advantage guarding twos and threes. Um, a Tristan Thompson at the four or the five position. He gives them some, some size and some physicality against those types of players. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that bringing back Paul Millsap, Torrey Craig, Mason Plumley, even though those guys are all tough. They possess the basketball IQ, that the Nuggets said that they wanted. I don't think that's the answer. I really don't.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think that they're at a crossroads. Uh, let's, put aside what Millsap was making, you know, 30 million.
0: Yeah. That has nothing to do with anything.
1: That has nothing to do with anything. And I, and I think people obsess about that. Um, but 100%. obviously much, much, yeah, one person, <laughs> uh, much of that contract's going to be eaten up by Jamal's contract. So right, that 30 right. million coming off the book, is just going to be basically going to Jamal. So you really only have so much to, to work with, I think the – as I pointed this out on my radio show. You, you have to look at it this way. The Nuggets need cap space for trades more than they need it for free agency. I don't see, yeah. I don't see a ton of other than Grant. I just don't see them going out in free agency to uh, shore up the roster because they just – they haven't been a team that does that other than Millsap. Um, you know, they re- tend to re-sign their players. So, to be fair,
0: yeah, they've they've never really been in this position before. They've always they've always been in situations where they've extended their players before their contracts were up. Right. Uh, they traded guys like Fareed and Chandler and Darrell Arthur before their contracts ran out. Like like they they've kind of haven't really been free agency players except for the Paul Millsap year. And, mm-hmm. and that's been, that's been their MO for the past few years. It's like, they've got their group and they believe in their group and that group has done really well. Right. But now they're, they're at a different point. Like you're, you're right, right that they are at a crossroads and this crossroads, I think you're going to come to a different conclusion than you would three years ago.
1: Yeah. It's going to be the nuggets need to rejigger their mentality. Because up until now, it's been about the young guys, the young guys, the young guys. You can get—I said this on my podcast today—but you can get prospect drunk and yeah. always be looking at next. And some organizations find—I mean, I don't think the Nuggets are there—but the, you know, some organizations fall into the trap of of the disease of next. Because what that does is just—it's it, like. Well, you know, we we become familiar with the term flattening the curve lately. Okay, When it, in terms yeah, of this yeah. goddamn very pandemic, <laughs> very right? That that's going raging right now. The and when the NBA, the way you do that is that you keep piling on young players on top of young players, so your your peak always gets farther and farther down the line because you're constantly developing younger players. It yeah. reaches a point of diminishing returns. You going to have to eventually make that move to a win now mindset and i'm wondering if this year the nuggets will be able to change that mindset and and find a deal that you and i even haven't thought of to get uh upgrade the roster in a good way without sacrificing their their depth
0: well Robert Covington was one of the guys that I thought of, and he's gone. Drew Holiday was one of the guys that I thought of, and he's gone. Uh, it's uh, it's a tough position to be in a tough business that we're in, but that's what free agency does. That's what the NBA does. It's full of surprises right now, and you never know what's going to happen. But but you enjoy it all the same, and and I I enjoy the the movement. It's a little bit stressful, but and it's it's less competitive than it was before for that reason, but. It, it is entertaining, and trying to figure out what the Brooklyn Nets are going to do if they trade for James Harden is also right. incredibly entertaining. Uh, uh-huh. so we're, we're gonna see what happens. Uh, I, I can see you grimacing over there, that's that's my cue to stop. Uh, <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> I, I always grimace. You know, <laughs> what was it that uh, I even look like grimace, so. <laughs>
0: uh good to, good to talk to you man uh that's gonna do it for this episode of nuggets numbers jeff thank you so much for coming on uh Absolutely. what are you up to over the course of the next couple of days
1: uh we're gonna be doing my radio show on mile high sports from 11 a.m to noon uh i do it with nate lundy and i'm going to be podcasting my ass off so uh you'll nice. be seeing getting a lot of either uh, nuggets related podcasts uh my music podcast my politics podcast i just have all of them so Be looking forward to all of those this week.
0: (laughs) Love it, man. Uh, Really quick before I let you go, what do you think the Nuggets are going to do in the draft?
1: Oh, Um, they'll end up drafting Tyler Lydon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Oh, that sounds great. I I, I, I will say, unlike unlike Mm -hmm. 2017, which was, was really weird, there are so many draftable players in this draft that i think could help a team maybe not quite immediately but like pretty soon like i think there are a lot of role player types in this draft so like if they decide to go that way then that'll be great
1: i mean every draft has its share of high floor players Mm -hmm. um it's just at that point you're drafting for need so I mean, uh, t- Tim Connolly said on uh, the Denver, Denver Nuggets video today on the YouTube channel that, you know, the Nuggets are going to go best player available. That's, you know, that's fine on number 22, I guess. But well, you, at some point, you've got you to have them address a the need. And quite frankly, it's one of those things where I, I just like, you can't keep piling up these young players. It's, it, it, at some point, you just got to like stop developing. Because the the the, the yeah. developing gets in the way of everything. I mean, that's just me. That's just me. So no, I'm but
0: I'm, I... I'm I'm not like there, there's the the Alexej Pokusevski guy uh, from mm-hmm. Serbia who everybody's fawning over. I don't want the Nuggets to draft him for the sole reason that I I don't think I could handle them having Bulbul and Pokusevski and Porter and Jokic on the same roster because like how could anybody learn to do anything on that on that yeah. team? Like, you can't learn to play basketball if you're all doing everything like, like weird. Like it is, it is, it is very weird. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm looking forward to evaluating it all. Uh, he is Jeff Morton at, at J Morton 78. You got to bring back the King of Thornton tag, man. That's uh, that's uh, that's it's, it's gotta happen at some point. You got to break it out.
1: I, mean, I I will eventually. And uh, maybe the Nuggets will draft Mario his own. Yeah maybe, maybe they will I mean only just put, picked up his player option so you know that's oh. a that's a, that's a million five that uh, I'm shocked, shocked. I'm <laughs> shocked
0: <laughs> thanks man it was really good talking to you absolutely um, that's gonna do it for this episode I'll talk to you guys after the draft